Amen. Hallelujah. Good to see my friend Paul. So grateful for these young people. Don't we are thankful for the young people, huh? 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 There's hope for the youth. And also there are two other ladies back there. They are young as well. And they're going to handle my sound today. And they're going to handle my slides today. So we are grateful for this team that got it raising of young people, right? And we need them to become the future of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, it's good to be back with you again. Of course, good to be back with my friend Mark. Uh, where is Mark Epstranat? Mark, why are you so far from me? Are you afraid of me or something? Why are you so scared of me, Mark? <laughs> Mark and I have been friends for over 20 years. We have gone to many baseball games together, haven't we, Mark? And um, uh, he and I have been together to Angola Prison in Louisiana. I don't know if you know that uh, we have been able to plant a Moody Radio affiliate inside the, the worst, uh, what it used to be the worst maximum security prison in the world, Angola Prison. And Mark has been there with me at least twice, haven't you, uh, Mark? And we've done the morning show that he used to do for 17, 18 years uh, here in uh, Chicagoland area. We were able to do that show with his buddy David all the way from Angola prison for a whole week, actually. And then we did that also at Lake County Jail and DuPage County Jail. And uh, we're going to go now into Cook County Jail. <laughs> Hallelujah. So my dear friend Dave Gomez, who is the third in charge of the entire sheriff's department of Cook County. He's here with his wife and beautiful mother Rosa, his wife Corinne and their younger son. So make sure that you give my love to uh, David. He's been involved in the jail and in the prison for over 30 years. Very few people have the experience, and we are good friends. So I'm glad that he's here. Also, we have the Reynolds back there who will be handling my books. And then my friend Abraham Papi and his uh, friend Lorena, they are here as well. So I want to work on them as well. Let me tell you why we are here today. Um... Let me tell you why we are here. Because you know what? We're going to play baseball. No, 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 no. That's why we are, we, are, we are here. We're going to play baseball today. See you here? Baseball. Baseball. Amen? And um, we are here because in life, in life, most of the things that we know, that we really know, they are not taught. They are caught. And that's why Cubans are so good are playing baseball because you have to learn to catch the ball if it drops what happens the guy is safe and as you have noticed the last few couple years the devil is way too safe in America is way too safe in the church so I want to make sure that you put your glove on Can you show me please your glove show me your glove come on show me your glove amen show me your glove I want to make sure that you can catch every ball that I'm going to hit at you. I'm going to throw at you many, many balls today. Many balls today. You have to be in, in, in baseball. You have to be alert. You have to be, you know, you, you have to be alert. I, I missed it. I, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. But, but, but I am also here because I want to give you hope. And hope means H-O-P-E means helping others pursue eternity. 
But hope also means helping our people everywhere. And there's a segment of the population that we don't think about too much because we live in Plainfield or in Wheaton or in Orland Park. Those are the 90 million people in America who are impacted by the prison system. It's not just the people in prison or in jail. It's their family members. I was just in Galesburg a few weeks ago. I was speaking there. I was they call it reentry summit. And I spoke about seven times to a bunch of guys who are going to get ready to get back to society. And here's the question. How do you want them back? <laughs> how do you want them back? Because if we don't do something about it, they're going to come back again to prison and to jail again and again. And they're going to carry with them a bunch of crime that you might be impacted by. So we, the church, have to do something about that, right? We have to, to meet them at the gate. And disciple them while they are in prison. That's what we do. See what I'm saying? But I met a guy who told me he has 22 children. I said, man, how do you do 22 children? I was just at East Moline two weeks ago, prison. And I, I, there was a guy there with 15 kids. I mean, if we don't do something about it, they are going to become gangbangers and criminals. But we have the answer. We have the, so I am here today, number one, to cast for you and for those watching online, either Facebook or YouTube or whatever vehicle they have today, to cast for you a grandiose vision of the glory of God. Number two, I'm here also to represent those 90 million people in America. But three, I'm also here because I want to become, I, I want to become, together with you, more like Christ. And to become like Christ, we have to cultivate a prayer life. We have to become more like Jesus, right? And to be like Jesus is to pray like Jesus. But we have forgotten in the church to pray. We treat God like a paramedic. And our hope, our hope is when we keep it 100. This is for you young people. When we keep it 100. But our hope is found and is embedded as a Christian. You see, I happen to be Cuban. But before that, I am now a Christian, so I am a Cuban that happens to be Christian. Or I am a Christian that happens to be Cuban, to put it in a better way. So our hope is found for us believers in only one place. At the cross. And I'm glad that there's a cross back there, but I'm going to double it up today. So we're going to have two crosses today because we tend to forget who we are. We are people of the cross. And in my message today, we're going to learn about the cross in a very peculiar passage that if you don't really understand the scriptures and you don't become a student of the word of God, you will miss it. So I'm going to preach to you a very unique message, but I'm hoping that you're going to catch it. Because if you do, you're going to become truly a passionate Christian. So we have to keep it 100, you see? Christ kept it 100, right? So, I have a message today titled, and you're going to put that on the screen, titled, God the Father 
we have to identify God as who he is. He is my father. The reason that we have so many people locked up in America is because we have lost the father in the home. And our ministry really is to introduce the people in prison, their family members, and the church to their real father, our father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Christ came for the only purpose for us to learn how he hallowed the Father's name so we can also hallow his name and pray correctly. So listen, if you know your Father correctly, the Father has said, I'm going to promise you two things. I'm going to promise you to provide for you, and I'm going to promise to protect you. And the role of a father in a home is to protect his family and to provide for his family. Because if he doesn't, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel. And the only way that you can learn to be a father, because I was a terrible father. I really was. I have five kids, three ladies. And God had to reconcile me to himself. And then God gave me an amazing woman, Barbara Mill, who we met in Jerusalem when I was on parole. And God had used Barbara to get my whole family reconciled. And now they all love each other. Regardless of where you came from or what you have done. So, my message today is titled, God the Father's Precise Permanent Prescription. It's not coincidence that my friend Mark Epstein today prayed for healing. I didn't know that he was going to pray for healing. So I'm going to give you today the prescription that we need to adapt, embrace, believe, and take every single hour of every single day as Christians. Because it seems to me as I listen to so many preachers around the country that we have forgotten the cross. The cross is not only, this is my friend John Piper now, is not only an objective object where Christ died for us, but also it's a subjective object where I have to die to self. So therefore, we have to somehow see the, see the cross become again part of the gospel. But in America, we don't want to suffer. So before I read the text, which is going to be Exodus 15 on the screen. I'm only going to give you 22 through 27. Then I'm going to give you 11 points, not three, like they teach you at Calvin or at Wheaton College where I went to school. I'm going to give you 11 points from the scriptures. See, I'm a biblicist. I preach the word, not myself, I preach the word of God. Then I'm going to give you three points at the end as an application. That's, all, that's a plan. Very short message, but that's a plan, okay? But before I talk about... Uh, 15, the word exodus means what? Exit. Everybody's looking for an exit. <laughs> Everybody's looking, how in the world are we going to get out of this big mess that we find ourselves in America today? And nobody seems to have the answer. I see the sign there says exit. But many people are trying to get to the glass. Well, if you do, you're going to get caught. Or to the window. No, 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 no. The door is there. And God told Moses, you write Exodus 
so my people will know the right exit. They spent 40 years moving around when in fact it was only 11 days that they had to take to get out of Egypt. And there are many Christians back to Egypt. And what is Egypt? Imprisonment. Discontentment. Death. Suicide. I don't know if you heard the numbers, but they, they just came out. In 2021, about 107,000 people committed suicide due to drugs. That's just numbers that have been reported. There are more, I mean, there's more than that. But we are now in a death culture. My mentor, Chuck Colson, his ministry was only one was to teach the church not to allow the culture and the world to penetrate the church too late. Too late. And he told me that. He transferred that mantle to me. What, a, what an honor. What a privilege. As a matter of fact, Mark Epstein spoke to uh, He was the MC at our banquet. When Chuck Colson came to be our speaker, I'm still waiting for the bill. We have what? Um, 1,400 people there, Mark? I don't know how many people. It was a pretty good crowd, wasn't it? So, Exodus 15 comes after 14. <laughs> and in 14, we see the biggest miracle to date in the Bible as God uses an ex-convict. Woo! An ex-convict. Can, can you God can use anybody. And it's convict to get the people out of Egypt. And God used him because he persisted ten times going back to the Pharaoh. And the people complained against Moses and against God. People that complain the most, they pray the least. We also have a culture today that we love to complain. And what happened? God did it. Not Moses, he was just a vessel. God did it. They opened the Red Sea. The Egyptians and the Pharaoh, the devil and his demons and agents, they all die. God made it happen. They saw a miracle. And for three days, they had a party. But Christians tend to forget too fast. <laughs> mm. We don't believe that God can do it again. Let me tell you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to surprise you every single hour. But yet, we do not pray to see his miracles happen in us first. I've seen too many miracles, and I want to see more. I want to see this church packed every single Sunday and Saturday, three or four times every weekend. People are dying in Plainfield. But we're not praying because we're too busy watching TV and complaining. So here we are. Three days, that, that's so significant, three days after. So let's go to the scriptures. So Moses brought Israel, God's people, that's you and I, from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. 
Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Every word in this text is so precious and so significant that if we don't know the word of God, we miss it. But I'm going to explain it to you this morning. They were bitter. Therefore, action plan, the name of it was called Mara. And the people, us, complained against Moses. Who was Moses? He was a type of Savior. We call that typology. Who are you if you're a Christian? You are a type of Savior. You are in the rescue business. If you're a Christian. There's no secret agents in the church. They complain against Moses. Basically, they were saying, God, you're not good. God, ain't no way that you can save me again. Saying, what shall we drink? <laughs> so he cries. So who is he there? Moses. Moses, he didn't argue with them. It's no sense to argue with people. What do you do? You prayed. How? Radically get my book and learn the five questions of real prayer. Why do we pray? Who do we pray to? Why do we pray? When do we pray? And how do we pray? It's in the book. Get it right there. We do prayer conferences around the country. Me and my wife. And others as well. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The Christian is about one thing. We need to know the who, who knows the how. The how is not for you and I to worry about. The how is for God to make it happen. Your job and mine is to become intimate with the Father. I'm praying one thing that this new pastor that, that is coming, I don't know, I never met him. I, I'm hoping that he's a man of prayer. When you hire a pastor, only one question to ask, only one question. Don't, don't get into, did you go to Calvin, did you went to, to Fuller, how many degrees you had? No, don't ask those questions. Could you prepare a sermon? Don't ask those questions. Only have one question. Say, hey, tell me about your prayer life. That's it. And then ask him to pray. Ask him to pray. You can tell about a man of God or a woman of God when he or she opened his mouth or her mouth. That's how you know a man of God because Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer for the nations, including the prison's nations. How in the world are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? Impossible, right? How in the world are we going to, to, to fulfill the Great Commission in the context of the second, second greatest commandment if we don't pray? Not to pray for the impossible is to offend God. Take that home with you to your church and to your pastor. Love to meet you, pastor, as well. So here we are. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. 
talking about God the Father's precise primary prescription. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit is beginning to reveal something to you right now that you, perhaps you've never seen in this text before. There he, God the Father, made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. Listen to me, guys. An untested faith is unreliable. And on right now, I'm being tested with my wife. She's going through cancer. Huh. Are we fretting? No. Are we fearful? No. Are we doubting? No. <laughs> she spent four days in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. Did we? Did, 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 no, no, no. We are trusting in this God. Because we know that he's with us. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He has promised to be with us to the end of the age. And every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? They were tested. They were tested, right? Verse, verse 26 is key. See, I want you to get two things today. I want you to get this. I am not a charismatic, although I look like one. I am a reformed Baptist. That's the difference between you and I. I'm a reformed Baptist charismatic. Now, if you want to sprinkle, that's okay, but I'm going to put them down too. Both. To make sure. <laughs> anyway, here we are. Verse 26, and he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none, none, say with me, none, say it, say it, say it, say none, none of the diseases of the sickness on you which I, God, Yahweh, the deliverer, I brought unto the Egyptians. For this is now in the Hebrew, this is in the present tense. For I am the Lord who heals you. When? Now. Because he wants you to have a testimony. You see, if you're not tested, there's no testimony. Testimony? See that? Get that? Now look at now. So he's a God who heals and he's a God who gives you rest. People today have no rest. People today are anxious. Really? About what? What are you anxious about? Where is your trust? Do you believe in the peace that Jesus purchased for you and I on the cross with his blood? And then he gave you a receipt. It's called the resurrection. Hallelujah. And he's going to come back again. Hope, right? He's the hope of glory, right? Look at verse 27. I see my friend here with the palm trees. This is for you. Here it is. He's from Cuba, I think. He's from Cuba. Or from Miami with the Cubans over there. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water. Listen, they found no water, right? But because of the tree and Moses, now we're able to, to drink water. And God multiplied 
to 12 wells of refreshing water. And 70, how many palm trees do you have there? And 70 palm trees, so they come there by the waters. I'm going to move quickly now because my time is almost run out. I don't know why they only give me 25 minutes here, but that's okay. You must be Dutch or something. I don't know. I don't know why you give me 25 minutes, but that's okay. I'm going to try to obey by that. So now I'm going to give you 11 quick points of what I believe the Scripture is saying to us today. Is it going to be on the screen? Number one. And I put a little verse next to each of my points. Because I told you I'm a biblicist. They're not for me. They are from the Word of God. Okay, here it is. God Yahweh, our Father, wants us to remember, right here, to remember that He's the only God of the breakthrough. In other words, He will do it again and again. He always makes a way of no way. He delivered His people out of Egypt one time with no recovery. Please, 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 please. Don't ever use that word again, recovery. It's not biblical. Yahweh means not recovery. Yahweh means the one who delivers. I used to be a sexual addict. Not in, in, in no recovery. I've been delivered. I became a born again from above Christian. I've been given a new heart. I've been washed with the water of the gospel. I've been given the Holy Spirit that does not come to reign my house. He came to own my house. And we have to learn to pray in the Spirit. Open the Red Sea, hence he will provide sweet, fresh water and delicious bread for his people. And he offered us his unlimited how much more? Verses 24. Point number two. Egypt is no longer an option for a Christian. I already mentioned what that means. Number three, Christians that complain the most, they pray the least. Number four, Christians don't fear. We don't fear, we don't doubt, but we trust. And we pray radically. Moses cried out to the Lord as he was being attacked and he was being discouraged and verbally abused. But it doesn't matter. You cannot go back to Egypt. You cannot fret. Number five, and I want you to get this point. God our Father wants to surprise us. God's Yahweh solutions are always unusual. Surprising and very different from our solution. Hence, it's all about the who, who knows the how, always filtered through the uncompromising cross and Christ together. Number six, when Christians pray, hallowed be thy name, big things happen. Don't we need big things happen? In your own lives and in the lives of the Christians in America, of course we do. Moses, who is a type of Christ, did not react to the adversity, but rather he responded to the biblical with the biblical prayer. You see, every time that we react to a challenge or to an obstacle, what happens? We react with fear. But when you respond, you respond with love. Number seven, and I want to make sure that you get this point. Number seven, the cross represented by the piece of wood and Christ represented by Moses together is and continues to be. So I'm just giving you the answer right now. God's Yahweh's our Father, precise, permanent. Now let me, 
Let me stop right here and say this to you guys. Please get this point. Our faith in Christ does not go against logic, reason, nor reality. In other words, your faith cannot be wavering. Your faith has to be consistent and constant on the cross and on Christ. Let me use some logic here now. How much of the water was bitter before Moses prayed to the Father and the Father told him to take the tree and put it in the water? How much of the water was bitter? Anybody? Huh? All of it. Very good. You guys can use some logic. And when you study the scripture, you have to use some logic. Question number two. How much of the water became sweet when he became obedient and did not question God, did not complain, just took the cross and threw it in the water? How much of the water became sweet? What is the common denominator? The cross. The cross. And who are you? You are type of Christ. Matter of fact, the book of Romans, chapter 9, the most difficult chapter in the Bible to understand. Verse 23 says that we have to become a vessel of mercy. For who? For others. And his mercies are not just new every morning. They are new every moment. Because I need mercy in the afternoon. And also in the evening, by the way. I do. I don't know about you, but I do need, I need mercy. So how are we going to solve this, the issues that we're facing in the church in America? We have to come back to our roots. That's why I'm radical. And every book that I write has to be radical. Because radical means going back to our roots. And we must come back to the cross and to Christ together. You cannot just become an evangelist. You, you, you have to become an evangelist that also disciples. And you cannot divorce evangelism from discipleship. They both have to be together. And they both require the cross and Christ together all the time. And let me ask you another question. And I'm almost done. How many people do you know? School? At work? Your neighborhood? That are thirsty. Anybody knows people that are thirsty? I do. I do many of them. I do many of them. What kind of water are you going to give them? What kind of water do you have to offer them? Are you going to not going to offer them water? Are you going to let them die in their thirst? Who is Jesus? He's what? The living water. The woman by the well in John chapter 4 had six men that were not their husbands. And then he made Jesus the seventh man. The seventh man. 
and she left the water behind. She didn't even go back to the Samaritans with the water because she found the water and she went back with them with that water and everybody got converted and got satisfied. Ah! I'm giving you some insight this morning. Guys, if your water is better, there's nothing to offer. We don't need better Christians. We need better Christians. And you can only become better when you drink the cross. When you drink of Christ. He and the cross are together. They are inseparable. Get that point. Okay, number eight. God, Yahweh, our Father, always delivers on all his promises. I already told you they are true and amen in Christ. Number nine, if our faith in Christ is not tested, then our faith is not reliable. Number ten, when God, Yahweh, gives a commandment to us, his people, he always, is, this is critical here, he always provides us with his means and empowerment to obey him without delay. But it seems to me that we only obey halfway. What is convenient for us? Number 11, the Lord Yahweh is the God who continues to deliver. He heals physically, emotionally, and mentally. Have you seen on TV and so many Christians right now talking about mental health? What is mental health? When Jesus takes you and he heals you, does a complete job. I was a crazy person. I'm still crazy. <laughs> but I'm not crazy for Jesus. He's the one who heals the water of Mara, leads the people to a place of rest and refreshment. Let me give you the action plan. So I told you 11 points. That's, that's what I would like you to know from the text. Now I want you to know what I want you to do. You know, what is the sermon if I don't give you application, right? So here it is. Three, now, now I'm giving you three points. Number one, become a Moses type, a type of Savior. Then number two, cultivate a personal and corporate prayer life to have the ability to number three, Take God our Father's precise permanent prescription of the cross and cross at least three times per day. I just went to the doctor the other day and he gave me these pills, like a penicillin kind of a thing. He told me, take it until the last pill. I could say, well, I don't need it anymore. I'm going to stop taking it. I feel better. But the doctor told me, take it to the last you and I have to take Jesus on the cross until the day that he will choose to take you home. You don't make the call. He makes the call. Your job and mine is to obey without delay. That's it. Number three here. So the redemptive water of hope. People need hope. We need hope. And unfortunately, they are listening to 10 or 12 different voices from the church that are all confusing. Shame on us. So they, 
the redemptive water of hope people need desperately will stay sweet and fresh within you to offer it to whoever God our Father chooses to send your way, including people from prison. So I'm not going to make an altar call because I know where I am. I want you to reflect. If you want those notes, they have them here. They can email them to you. You can study it. Go back to the Word of God. See it for what it is. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you need to know today so you will become a type of Savior like Moses was. Let me end with this. It's amazing that Moses was the greatest man to live in the Old Testament. But yet, God the Father fired him because he became angry and he forgot to pray. And because he hit the rock twice with the staff, he became God for the moment. And I said, no, 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 no. There's only one God, me. You're not God. You're my servant. And God, the Father, Yahweh, did not give Moses a do-over. Man, how many of us right now could be fired? Mm. Think about that. Just let that sink in for a moment. Let me pray. So thank you, Father, for this message today. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will take it to each of the hearts online, Facebook, YouTube, those that are here today, that we will see you, Father, as our only hope, and that you have given us the precise permanent prescription of Christ and the cross, even for today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.